0: This is the 398th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. The podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. I'm Orlando Ledbetter, the Falcons' beat reporter for the AJC. We're going to talk about how the Falcons are stockpiling offensive weapons today. They picked up running back B. John Robinson in the first round of the NFL draft with the 8th overall pick. If you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nigut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.
0: We're back from the break, and the draft has started, and the Falcons made their move. They had to sit there at the eighth position. Two trades were made in front of them at number three and number six, and they were waiting to see if B. John Robinson would get through to them. They were able to select the running back from Texas who gives them another offensive weapon after picking Kyle Pitts, uh, fourth overall in the 2021 draft, and then picking wide receiver Drake London with the eighth overall pick in the 2022 draft. Here's the first question I asked Terry and Arthur Smith. It was about how they felt about tonight and how B. John Robertson's versatility will fit in.
1: All right, we're really excited um, about tonight. I mean, B. John, we hold him in high regard on the field, off the field. Um, did, we talk about positionless football, the versatility, the impact that he's going to make for us. Uh, we're extremely excited um, to get B. John at eight.
2: The running back stuff was obvious on the tape, but the versatility part, where you could use him, and uh, where he's been effective—I mean, that he did that at Texas at times—but his background playing in the slot uh, was another another big piece of it. led. it's intriguing, and we just feel he's an explosive weapon. He's a home run hitter, and you know, however he gets the football in his hands.
0: All right, before we move on, it it must be noted that Jalen Carter was available to the Falcons, the Georgia defensive tackle, who had all kinds of issues leading up to the draft. Uh, His role in the fatal collision uh, on January the 15th was started there, and the workouts just had too many red flags for a team like the Falcons who are trying to draft for character and makeup. So they did not picked Jalen Carter uh, with the 8th overall pick. And as a matter of fact, they have never picked the University of Georgia player in the first round of the NFL draft. They have picked the Georgia Tech player. They picked Keith Brooking in 1998, number 12th overall. So we need to address that, uh, that they did not pick Jalen Carter. He was available. The Eagles made a trade to come up and get him. And he was picked with the next subsequent pick, number nine, by the Philadelphia Eagles, who are stockpiling Georgia players. While the Falcons are stockpiling offensive weapons, the Eagles now have Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Jalen Carter, and then they took Nolan Smith later in the first round. So I asked Coach Smith, why did they pass on Jalen Carter? A lot of good
2: players available, if you like. I mean, you can't coach them all. And so you make the decisions, obviously when we collaborate and there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And we do what we think's best for, for our team. But there's a lot of good players. You know, it's not about just one guy. And I understand the question and the intent of the question because he is a, a player that was successful Georgia and they've had a lot of success the last two years. But there are a lot of good players there.
0: You know, they drafted Bijan, you drafted him eight. And Coach uh, Smith had Derek Henry over at Tennessee uh, you know, running backs generally don't go that high. So we wanted to know from Coach what he thought of B. John Robinson and if he could be the same type of player as Derrick Henry was for him in Tennessee.
2: I've never asked somebody to be – that that's, that's ridiculous. You know, Derrick, Derrick Henry is probably a gold jacket player. Derrick Henry is one of the most unique players I've ever been privileged to coach. And if you really want to look at it to get in depth – the way we ran the ball in 20 in Tennessee is completely different how we ran it in 22. We didn't run that kind of zone read. So it's like, that's what I'm saying. I mean, on the surface, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, running the football. Well, Derek, unique. We're not asking Tyler. We're going to never ask a player to be something like that. And the way we ran it last year in 22, very similar results as we had in 20 in Tennessee, completely different run game. We were pistol. We were zone read. We did all kind of different things. So Tyler and Bijan and. Caleb Huntley or CP, you know, whoever whoever's here, whoever, you know, is up on game day, they'll all have unique roles, but nobody will be Derrick Henry, I can promise you that.
0: Well, you know, there were some connections down at Texas. Uh, their, their head coach is former Falcons coordinator, offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian on the last playoff team in 2017, I also wanted to know what they learned about Robinson from their meeting with Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas head coach.
2: It, that was that was another part of that visit, you know, getting to spend time with him. Um, and, you, you know, again, like everybody, as you're filtering through, you know, I've had plenty of other coaches, you know, they, they they sell you, and that's their job too. And they may leave out some some things that you find out later, like, ah, oh, I wish I would have known that. Uh that's not the case with B. John or what anything Sark told us. And, uh, you know, he, it, it wasn't just about the player, too. It was about the, the impact he had in the locker room, the leadership that he had.
0: You know, there's a lot of speculation about the Falcons not liking what might fall to him at 8 and uh, whether they might want to move out of there in the mass and amass some picks. So we wanted to find out, did they have a chance to move back?
1: Whether we're going to move up or move back, it's all a weighing process. And so you want to do that. But when you feel good about the player and you want to take the player and you say, OK, if we move back a few spots and we lose him and we get, if you feel good about it and you have conviction and we have really strong conviction on him, So um, we didn't want to risk anything.
2: And I could follow, follow that up too. I mean, one of the things that are that are just pre- pretty obvious when you're talking about you're weighing risk. Certainly, we had opportunities you know, as you're Terry. I mean, they were working the phones. And yeah, you do take that risk, but I think what what, what you're talking about, yeah, conventional wisdom. This, he's not more than a running back. He's an impact football player, he's a home run here. The other part is you can see the corresponding moves. It's just like last year when you're weighing taking a receiver early, we felt there's going to be a run on receivers. So we said, ah, you know, there's a lot of good players. If we go into the position, we may not get any receiver in the second round. Well, I think you saw a couple of picks later the corresponding move. So, you know, kind of that that's the best answer I can give you. There, there's cause and effect there. Certainly uh, we're not in any of other team's draft rooms, but things become pretty obvious.
0: All right. Now, um, you know, the running back, uh, taking a running back at eight was going to be looked at, um, uh, estranged in some quarters. I think Jamar uh, Gibbs also went a little higher than people had anticipated. Uh, No running back had gone as high in the uh, first round since uh, Saquon Barkley went number two in 2018, and then last year there wasn't even a running back in the first round. Kenny Walker uh, went in the second. So we also wanted to know uh, if Coach Smith thinks the league has undervalued running backs.
2: He's a valuable football player, you know, and the impact he can have on your team, and then that's the value, the value, the impact he makes. Does he help you win games? I mean, there's a lot of guys that can uh, stuff the stat sheet. You know, you can have a lot of receptions. You're playing a lot of two-minute and getting your uh, teeth kicked in, and you can have a great year. You have 90 something catches, and you can feel really great. But what was your impact on winning? And so, I think a guy like Bijan, I mean, his impact his win is winning the same thing as Kyle. You know, Kyle had a statistically a great year as a rookie here. And then this year, obviously, been at nauseam awesome about that too. But Kyle's impact on winning, we felt it when Kyle went in there, I promise you that.
0: All right, we uh, discussed the Jalen Carter situation, so right now we're gonna go to a break. This is the Boats High Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal Constitution.
1: Hip hop is a product of black people, it's a product of black song And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might
0: want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically atl i want to take this time again to thank everyone who subscribes to the ajc and ajc.com it's what makes all of this possible now if you haven't joined our community yet we have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast You can get unlimited digital access to everything the AJC has to offer for the next three months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories on AJC, our terrific e-paper, and all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from legendary columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next three months. So to take advantage of this offer, go to subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast that's subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast so you always know what's really going on all right the uh, b john robinson was made available on the uh, virtual call to us the first question i asked b john robinson how does it feel to be an atlanta falcon
1: yeah, man, I mean it's it's such an exciting feeling. You know, I mean obviously, you know, I gotta I gotta thank God, you know, for blessing me to be on, on the Falcons, man. I mean, it's, it's it's super exciting. I'm it's like I'm speechless, but man, I just can't wait to see to see what happens and and
0: how God blessed me with, with the program. All right, B. John Robinson. Uh we also wanted to know uh running back going eighth doesn't happen much in the NFL anymore. So I asked Robinson. How he felt about his position being devalued?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I, I understand, um, you know, the, the the running back position has been been you know looked at as a as a less than position. But I mean, for me, like obviously, it's a blessing that I can get the get these guys, um, even even that are in college now, that are great running backs. You know, seen and looked at, you know, the right way. And obviously, for me, you know, being being a guy that can you know play running back, play you know, play receiver, just kind of be really versatile. Um, And to give them the opportunity to to do the same thing, you know, it's definitely a blessing, and and I'm happy to to, to share it with those guys as well.
0: All right. Robinson was also asked how he thinks he's going to fit in the offense. You got Tyler Algier who ran for 1,000 yards last year. Drake London. Kyle Pitts is coming back in the mix. John Smith is coming over. Uh, the Falcons are stockpiling a lot of offensive weapons. Here's what he said about how he thinks he's gonna fit in the uh, offense.
1: Obviously, like the offense is is, is really good uh, with really good talent. And for me, you know, I just want to be a piece in that offense, man, and and do do as much as I can. Um, no, no matter where they line me up at, and I'm just trying to help the help the offense. Uh, obviously, help the whole team and you know make us make us the, the the team that we are and you know I know that you know the the, the rushing attack uh is, is really really good and you know with a really good running back already and man I just want to go in there and just learn from him and you know be be a good teammate and hopefully you know we can make something special happen out of it
0: yeah on the uh draft circuit uh Steve Sarkeesian went on a uh, uh, NFL radio and he was talking about how um he would get his receivers mad because he would put Bijan in the slot. And uh, he said he had to do it because Bijan was the uh, one with the best hands. So we wanted to know more about um, uh, Bijan and uh, how he became such a good pass catcher in the slot.
1: For me, uh, I played a lot of seven on seven um, throughout my middle school and high school career. Uh, and I played strictly receiver during that time. I didn't play no running back, I was a straight receiver. Uh, so I mean, I, we we joke around. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we joke around because I think it, I think it's true. But with with the receivers at Texas, and I said I had the best hands on the team. Uh, but I always joke with those guys and just just kind of get them mad a little bit. But I mean, obviously those are my those are my dudes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I take pride in catching the football too, uh, just as much as running the ball and, and blocking. Um, so I think that if you're a complete player, it just,
0: it just makes you know the most sense. All right. The Falcons have a new offensive weapon, B. John Robinson. And before I get out of here, I want to uh, read some of your tweets. kind of uh, I kind of ad-lib uh, uh, mailbag. Uh, and then go over the draft picks uh, for Friday and Saturday that the Falcons have left. I simply put out there when the pick was made, do you all like the Falcons' first-round pick? And we got 300 um, comments here uh, underneath that tweet. Uh, and I'll try to read some that will, you know, not get us suspended here. Uh, disagree. Draft the best players available. Oh, no, that was me responding to uh, my man Donnell Suggs. He said they didn't draft for need. That's always a bad idea. And Of course, you know, I disagree with that. Take the best player. Now, Jalen Carter arguably... Had the best grade, was the number one player in his draft, and they passed on him. But we already explained the, um, you know, uh, the issues um, with that, and uh, y'all been around the last couple episodes, so y'all know uh, where that they weren't gonna take him. Okay, I thought we needed defenders. Maybe we need ten running backs from Allison Smith, uh, rock like it and hate it. Arthur already maximizes nine first round running back talent. We're awful on defense for years. The telltale of this was the Super Bowl champion and contender Eagles draft room literally laughing and cheering, then moving up to get Carter. Shake my head. SMH, ATL curse. Uh, one more no. Uh, Keith Smith, not the fullback. <laughs> no, look what the Super Bowl team did right behind them. Uh, David Moore, horrible. Been a fan since 81. And Font, oh no, and Smith, make me think about a new team. I'm down with it. That's Mike Bell from 92 The Game. We know he's been down. He's been preaching it for two weeks. I can't wait to hear him on Monday. And last one, John Harrison. Nah, they could have traded back and got him. Usual overspend on draft capital. One last one for real. Clayton Gray, truly have no idea. Who would be available when? Okay, no, no uh, question there. And so those are just some of the comments. But you can go on Twitter. We got 300 uh, fans really checked in on uh, the first round pick here tonight. Now before we leave, we want to get before we leave. want to get you ready for Friday and Saturday. Remember, they traded a couple picks uh, for Jeff Acunda and Johnu Smith. So you know you kind of count them as. Uh, the missing pieces here in the next couple days. The Falcons will, the draft will start at 7 p.m. on Friday. They'll pick 44th in the second round and then they'll pick 75th in the third round I don't sense they're going to be moving up for much. There are a lot of defenders out there. Kylie Ringo still there. Uh, probably thinking they're going cornerback here. Maybe edge rusher. Oja uh I think, still out there. So we'll see what they do at 44. 75, um, third round. That'll be uh, their second pick on Friday. Then on Saturday, they don't have that busy of a day without any any picks in the fifth or the sixth. They have the um, 110th pick in the fourth round from Tennessee, last vestiges of the Julio Jones trade. And then their pick in the uh, fourth round, the 113. And then in the seventh round, you got 224 and then 225, a last pick from the Brian Edwards experience that didn't really uh, pan out last year. So there you have it. The Falcons are stockpiling offensive weapons. Uh, you know, and uh that was uh, you know, we did get that pick in some of the late mocks. We did enough mocks around the country to where we can say, Hey, we had the Bijan one right in Chicago, I think LA and uh Jacksonville. But you know, we were going Lucas Van Ness in our final mock. Knew that was wrong, but didn't have time to go back and do a revised final mock. But we did uh we did, uh, we, I don't know if we're going to count that as a, a close uh, in horseshoes type of deal, but uh, we had enough mocks out there where we did have Bijan Robinson coming to the Falcons. So the Falcons uh, spent a lot of money on the defensive side of the football and free agency. That allowed them to take uh, this uh, talented running back. You know, I had a little bit of um, a scouting report on him from um, my 33rd uh, group here. You know, just a couple negatives were, um, you know, uh, not an elite speed. And this is from um, Greg Cosell, who wrote a a scouting report for them, too. His uh, negatives, because, you know, we're hearing all the positive and all the great stuff he's going to do, but, you know, everybody's got a downside. Uh, And Cosell said, uh, at times, looked for the big play. Rather than taking the hard-earned yards, has the strength and power to finish. I don't know how that's negative. That's pretty good. Uh, But not having the elite speed, enough speed is the uh, other negative that they had in the uh, 33rd team uh, scouting report. Does not have elite play speed, but has enough speed. Will hold the ball loose at times. But this is something that can be cleaned up. All right, there you have it. Uh, We're going to get on out of here. We're out at Flowery Branch here for the first round. A little outside action here, a little misty. Uh, Rain falling over the area, but wanted to get you some information on the Falcons' first-round pick, Bijan Robinson, a young man out of Tucson, Arizona, went to Texas and won the Doak Walker Award last year. So with that, we're going to get out of here, and uh, we're going to tell you to enjoy yourself and come back Uh, For the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, we get you through the rest of the NFL draft. Take care and have a great rest of your week.